just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. We're starting yet another week. And this promises to be a fucking crazy one, too. We've got Russia invading Ukraine. We've got a pandemic that looks like it's tailing off, but we never know. We've spent the last three years thinking it's over and then it's back again. Hopefully that won't be the case this time. Of course, we have all the investigations, Congress, Trump, the Trump administration, all this shit going on. It seems like every time we turn around, there's some other tragic or horrific event going on or something that's dangerous to our country. I know it gets kind of stressful. And here's the thing. It doesn't pay to stress out about this stuff. None of this we can control directly. And if you can't control it, there's no point in worrying about it. Speak out when you feel a mind to. Do what you can, but that's all that can be expected of you. There's no reason to take it all on your shoulders. Sure, it's rough, and sure, there are bad things out there, but you can only do so much. Do the best you can, be the best person you can, and then you'll be doing your part. Now, I have to be perfectly honest. Sunday, yesterday, I was remiss in my duties as a podcaster or a TikToker. Normally, I would spend a lot of the day looking at the news, trying to dig things out, trying to get information, uh, put together some ideas for stories and those sorts of things, Uh, but I didn't do much of that yesterday. Yesterday, we had a party with my wife's side of the family, my two sons, my oldest son's wife, my step-grandson, and my granddaughter. Now, normally, I'd be looking at news, trying to formulate some things, but I did none of that Sunday, none of it. You got to take a break now and then. And I did. And I spent most of the day playing games with my uh, nine-year-old step-grandson and my 22-month-old granddaughter. And that was the best time I've spent on anything in a long time. I didn't worry about the news. I didn't worry about the terrible things going on in this world. I just focused on those two little clowns, and I couldn't be happier. I had more fun doing that than anything else I've done. So um, that's another thing to keep in mind. At some point, you've got to take a break from all this shit. Sometimes it's just too much to handle. Now, I was fine. It wasn't too much for me to handle. But when those kids come over, my focus is gone. My focus is on them. They are the future, uh, and I absolutely love those kids. They're hilarious. And uh, anytime I get a chance to break away from doing my job, per se, and hanging out with them, trust me, I'm fucking doing it. Anyway, that said, we'll talk about some of the things that went on yesterday and into this morning. Um, As things settled down and everybody went home, I did start looking at things and trying to grasp what was going on. And certainly a lot of things changed. Some things have gotten better. Some things have gotten even worse. But the bottom line is we still have Russia going into the Ukraine and trying to take it over. And so let, let, let's talk about that a little bit. You know, Putin thought he could walk in and just take over the country. 72 hours. He thought he'd just wrap this up and toss it to the side and be the conquering hero. Realistically, 
Ukraine should have no chance against Russia. But with their tenacity, their bravery, and their resolve, well, that proved otherwise. Because Ukraine, what Ukraine is doing in this war is unprecedented and pretty freaking amazing. And it all really has to do with the heart of the people from Ukraine. I've been thoroughly impressed by the people from Ukraine. A lot of people would be in this situation and they'd be scared to death and bolting. But not the Ukrainians. I mean, some have left, mostly women and children, and that makes sense. But the men stay back. Uh, they're asked to stay back to fight. They've handed out twenty to 30,000 weapons to civilians, and they're having at it. And you know what? They're having some luck. Russia has been held off by Ukraine, unbelievably, and they haven't been able to take Kiev, the capital of the country. And that was their goal, to come in, take over Kiev, or Kiev, and uh, take down the government, kill uh, Zelensky, and just take things over. But for whatever reason, they haven't been able to take over the capital or any other real big cities, as far as I know. These Ukrainians have been fighting hard, and um, it's been pretty impressive to see what they've done. Now, one thing Russia has said, they say that they aren't targeting civilians. However, we know Vladimir Putin lies, and he fucking lies all the time. He lies like Donald Trump lies. He's a pathological liar. But uh, in spite of the fact he's saying they're not targeting Civilians, there have been missile attacks on apartment buildings, a kindergarten, retail locations, etc. All have been hit by Russian missiles or by foot soldiers. This is appalling. First of all, they invade a country that's doing nothing to nobody. They're a peaceful country. In fact, they're a friendly country to Russia. But somehow, Vladimir Putin thinks he needs Ukraine under his belt, so he makes up stories and he goes in and starts killing people. That's how thoughtless and how careless he is. He wants something, he'll go after it, and he's more than happy to kill innocent people to do it. And not just the innocent people of Ukraine. There have been 4,300 Russian soldiers killed. I've seen some videos where a Ukrainian citizen will be talking to a Russian soldier. Many of these Russian soldiers are just very young kids, 19, 20 years old. And these kids specifically say, I, I don't even know why I'm here or why I'm doing this. You know, it's funny, when you think back to World War II, Pearl Harbor was bombed. People in America were fighting to get put into the military so they could fight for their country and uh, fight against the Japanese or Germany. Every kid in Russia has to go into the military, so they have to go, whether they want to go or not, and they're young. They're 19, 20 years old, and uh, they had no quarrel, to take a phrase from uh, Muhammad Ali regarding Vietnam. They have no quarrel with the people in Ukraine. They know that whatever Vladimir Putin is saying is not true, but still they're forced to go into this country and try to take over the country and kill Ukrainians, which they don't want to do. But the troubling thing is, as much as Vladimir Putin is responsible for the deaths of some Ukrainians, he's also responsible for the deaths of 4,300 Russian soldiers that didn't need to be dead. 
Ukrainians didn't want to kill them. They had no choice if they're trying to take over their country. But these young kids had no business being killed in the streets, and they were. Now, they're talking about some peace talks that are supposed to take place today, Monday. But it's more likely, in my estimation, that Russia will be giving ultimatums, maybe blackmailing. See, Putin won't give up. And he won't show weakness. He doesn't want to look like he's given in. It's more likely that the people in Russia will take him out than him backing off. So what I mean by that is um, he's saying, okay, we've got to have peace talks. And here's the funny thing. With all the sanctions that are going on, we'll talk about those too. We know that oligarchs have been sanctioned. So these guys who have billions of dollars and are close to Vladimir Putin have a lot of their money locked up. The U.S. government... The uh, European governments, they've all locked up and frozen their accounts. This has cost these oligarchs a lot of fucking money. And they're getting a little upset about it. So upset, there are two oligarchs that said to Putin, look, man, maybe we should do some peace talks. These people are getting hit hard, and they're not liking it a fucking bit. And so then they're now trying to convince Vladimir Putin to... Come, with, come up with peace somehow. We know that his citizenry are protesting by the thousands all over the country, and they want him to stop the war. They're protesting against Vladimir Putin himself. But here's the thing. Vladimir Putin is a narcissist, sociopathic, pathological uh, liar, and a psychopath. I know this kind of person. I've dealt with this kind of person. Donald Trump is one of these people, and they never give up. They refuse to ever admit they're wrong. They won't do it. So what they'll do is they'll come in there, even though they're probably losing, and they'll make demands as if they're winning. And uh, they're not. Ice, it's water, nothing else. Anyway, He won't give up. And what happens with people like this, when they get cornered and there's no way out, you would think they'd give in and say, okay, I'm wrong, I'll walk away. They don't fucking do that. They don't do that at all. What they do is they get frazzled. They will flail, and they will get more violent and more irrational. And that's something we have to look out for. Because, uh, you know, he was talking about... um, putting a high alert on nuclear weapons. This is just another step for him to try to bully. You see what's happening here. He comes in and takes a bully stance by lining up on the border. They don't fall for it, so he kicks it up a notch. That doesn't work. So he invades the country. That doesn't work. So now he appeals to the Ukrainian army and says, turn on your government and let's get this over with. That doesn't work. Everything he tries doesn't work. But he refuses to say, okay, I fucked up. We better fix this situation. He will never, ever admit that he's wrong. What we're finding out is that Russia horribly miscalculated this invasion. They had no idea what they were getting into, and now they're kind of stuck. They're in the middle of it. They can't run and hide and say, whoops, we we made a mistake because Vladimir Putin won't allow it. But at the same time, they're failing miserably. This should should have taken 72 hours by their um, 
by their reasoning. But the fact of the matter is we're well past 72 hours and they're not even close to getting Kiev taken over. Somehow, some way, these Ukrainians are holding them off. We're also finding that this, this army, this military from Russia, is maybe not quite as ominous as we thought. As I said, they're a very young army. They're all conscripted, meaning they have to go in the army. They're drafted or something similar to that. So you got these 19-year-old kids getting out of high school or out of college or whatever they're doing, and they have lives and futures they want to live. They have things they want to do. And I think that's something you find if you talk to Russian people. They're not bad people. In fact, I've seen some TikToks where they've come out and said, look, Please understand, we're not bad people, but Putin is fucking crazy. And that's exactly the truth. These are people just like we're people. And because they're just people, they're appalled by this situation as well. But think about this. You're 19 years old. You want to be a barber or you want to be an accountant or something. You want to start your life, maybe have a family, get married, all that stuff. But no, instead, the Russians say, you got to go in the army. That's okay if you're just doing you know, military drills and that sort of thing. But next thing you know, they're sending you into a country that you don't understand why you're even fighting. You're putting a gun in their hands, and they're shooting at people who are shooting back at them. This is putting young kids' lives in danger. And now we've lost 4,300 Russian soldiers and, of course, Ukrainians as well. And it's all for nothing. And the problem is these people who are being forced to do that They don't get it. They don't understand why they're having to do this. It's it's kind of appalling. And and this is why I think what's going to happen is he will never give up. He will never back down. He'll just try to get tougher and tougher until whoever's in front of him folds. So I think the inevitable here is that somebody or some entity in this government the Russian government, is going to end up neutralizing or taking out Vladimir Putin. I mean, they're seeing what's going on with this country, and it is having a serious impact um, on their way of life. I mean, people can't get credit cards, they can't use their money, they can't get food. This is a lot of stress to put on these people. And if they know that Vladimir Putin won't back down, they may, be for- they may be forced to act on their own. Now, this has happened before in these kinds of countries and these kinds of government. Very powerful men uh, have been uh, put in a situation where they've made some horrible choices and their people are suffering and they don't give a shit. Well, at some point, those people rise up and they kick back. And there's a lot of them. There's people in the government who have said, Vlad, you're going too far. Stop this. There are oligarchs who say, you know, maybe we should hash this out and have a peace agreement. But he says, no, he just wants to get tougher. So the only option is instead of doing all this crazy, horrific shit and also destroying his own country, somebody is going to have to get rid of him, either by hook or crook. And you know what I mean. But that's probably the way it's going to happen. Now, Russia has lost a significant amount of military capabilities. They actually have. 
the Ukraine army was supposed to have no chance with these people. But Russians have lost a lot so far. They have lost, as I said, 4,300 Russian soldiers, 27 planes, 26 helicopters, 146 tanks, and about 700 armed personnel carriers, and at least two ships, all to a country they believe did not have a chance, a country that they thought they could overtake in 72 hours. That's got to be a rude awakening, huh? Now, there's another issue here that we have to consider. There's Belarus. Belarus is a country just north, on the north border with Ukraine. And uh, they are sympathetic and kind of tied to Russia somehow. They're not a democratic country. They kind of kiss the ass of Russia. They were part of the Soviet Union at one point, And even though they're separate now, they, they do still defer to Russia. Now, the thing about it is, is that um, with this, they allowed Russia to stage their troops in Belarus because they're right on the border. So they set up the Russian troops there and then they charged in from Belarus. But something else is happening here now. You see, we're now hearing that as of today, that uh, Belarus or Belarusian, or whatever you call them, soldiers are now going to take up and fight. They're going to come out of Belarus and come into Ukraine to fight alongside with the Russians. Can you imagine that? This ominous Russian army comes in, and they need help from a little country like Belarus. But here's the problem with that. Now Belarus at first was an accessory to this whole fucking thing. They were an accessory, but now they're a willful participant. We've got all kinds of sanctions going on with Russia. Do we now have to, um, do we now, don't we now have to um, um, somehow hold them accountable? Do we not have to somehow, I don't know, sanction them? Now, keep in mind, they're a small country. They can't handle what Russia did, and Russia is being devastated right now. Should we not shut them down and shut them up? I think we should. I mean, they're just a uh, a resource or an extra strength to Russia, and if they're going to participate in the attack on uh, Ukraine, you got to fucking shut them down. So we'll... We'll see if they do that. I mean, they're kind of focused on Russia right now, but if Belarus sends some people in, we've got to look at them, and we've got to look hard at them. I also heard an interesting story, and I don't know that this will make any difference in uh, the outcome of this thing, but apparently there's some former special operations soldiers that are retired now from America and maybe the U.K. They're apparently joining up, going to Ukraine, and helping to fight. Now, I don't know how many of them are. And honestly, I don't know if they can even legally do that. I don't know if an American can say, I know America's not involved directly, but I'm going to go fight. We're talking about like these soldiers of fortune or whatever. I don't know that they're getting paid, but they are certainly um, motivated 
to go to Ukraine and fight the Russians. Now, that's a noble thing, and I appreciate that. I just don't know that it's the best thing. If it looks like America is in the middle of this, does that escalate it? Now, if it's 10 or 20 guys, nobody's going to notice. But if it's a couple hundred guys, maybe that might cause a problem. And again, I don't know if there are any laws that are being broken if an American goes in and decides to fight alongside Ukraine. Again, it's a noble thing. I appreciate them doing that, but I I don't know that it's a good idea. I, I really don't. I mean, what the fuck is this? Like the French Foreign Legion or whatever? But that's the kinds of things that are happening. And I, I think it's pretty impressive to see how much is going on. These people are getting hit from all sides. And I'm talking about the Russians. you got every country. you got the EU. you got America. You've got Australia. You've got Japan. They're all up in arms about this situation. And they're pushing back with various sanctions. We'll talk about that in a moment. But Russia's in a weird situation. More specifically, Vladimir Putin's in a weird situation. He basically has the entire world against him. He has America against him. He has Ukraine that's fighting like they never expected against them. He's got everybody in his country against him. This guy really has nowhere to turn. There is no way this can end up other than Vladimir Putin somehow being pushed out or, or, or neutered some way, and I don't know how you'd do that. Russian government's a much different situation than America, for as rogue as our government has seemed over the last five years, it's even more so with uh, Vladimir Putin and the Russian government. I mean, this is run like a gang, a mob. That's basically what it is. Vladimir Putin doesn't have anybody to answer to. He says whatever he says, and that's the way it's going to be. That's the way it's always been. And therein lies the problem. If Vladimir Putin is willing to destroy his country to get Ukraine or whatever it is he's going to do, that may be fine for him. Maybe he'll be okay, but his country will be in tatters. It already is. And with all the sanctions and such, they can't do shit for shit. They got nothing they can do. They're going to starve over there. They're going to struggle. It's going to be a horrific thing. And it's just started. It's going to get worse over time. So now we hear about this peace talk that's coming today. It's going to be on the Ukraine-Belarus border. Now, They wanted to talk to the president directly, you know, face-to-face, across the table. Unfortunately, the president is much smarter than that. I mean, that would be the easiest situation to kill the guy, and that's what they want to do. So Ukraine will be sending advisors or something like that to this meeting. But honestly, Ukraine isn't expecting much out of it because— The Ukrainian president said, look, I'll talk to you, but I don't have much hope that we'll get peace. He said, but if you come here and think you're going to take a piece of Ukraine with you, you're sadly mistaken. Fuck yourself, essentially, is what he said. Now, that's not going to play too well with Vladimir Putin, but uh, we'll see. We'll see if there is some peace talks and how far they get, because no doubt Vladimir Putin's getting a lot of pressure from the oligarchs, from his people, from his government, that he's got to do something. But if he's like Donald Trump, 
you know what's going to happen. He's going to do it to appease them, but he's not going to participate in such a way where it's actually peace talk. It's, it's going to be a demand. Mr. Tough Guy is going to demand some things. So I don't have too many hopes for these peace talks. I hope I'm wrong about that, but we will know very shortly. All right, we'll take a quick break, and we will be right back. So America has hit Russia with almost every conceivable sanction you can put up against a country. In fact, this is unprecedented. There's never been um, this amount of sanctions against any country in history. And these are devastating. There are sanctions against banks to um, blocking technology getting in. They are sanctioning corrupt billionaire oligarchs to Putin himself. Some of the other countries that are sanctioning Russia and Putin are the UK. They sanctioned 100 individuals and froze all assets from Russia's VTB Bank, the European Union, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, Taiwan. The EU has even shut down their airspace to Russian airplanes. Gas companies that are cutting uh, Russia as a source. Now, keep in mind, Russia's main source of income, only source of income, is selling oil. Now, these big oil companies that buy from Russia are saying, okay, we're not buying anymore. There's one gas company, I don't recall the name, but they buy 20% of their oil from Russia. They said, we're not doing that anymore. And now America and, um, and Europe are now considering energy sanctions which could be very tough and extremely devastating to Russia. But here's the thing you have to remember about that, too. When you do that with the energy situation, when you put in those sanctions, it's going to hurt Vladimir Putin considerably. But we're also going to feel the sting because the price of gasoline will go even higher than it already is. You do something like this, and we're all going to pay a cost. But is it worth it? I think it is. I mean, people hate paying high gas prices. I'm 61 years old, going to be 62 years old. I remember the 70s when we had gas lines and the price of gas went up quickly. I mean, when I started driving, what, 1976, the cost of gas was 50 cents a gallon. Honest to God, my dad gave me his... uh, Ford Country X, uh, Ford Country Squire wagon. It's this big fucking tank of a thing. It had a 400 engine in it. And if we were going out for the night to do whatever we were going to do, we'd get together two bucks. <laughs> we'd put four gallons of gas in our car, and we'd drive all fucking night. Now we're talking $4 a gallon. And it's becoming difficult for a lot of people. People don't have a lot of money, and they can't spend extra money there as it is. They're going paycheck to paycheck. So this is a burden to put on everybody, not only in this country, but across the world. But is it worth it? It actually probably is. Because if Russia isn't pushed back, and if Putin isn't put in his place, and they feel emboldened, we may get the high gas prices anyway. If we push this hard enough and they take Vladimir Putin out of the equation, then maybe we can get back to normal. It's a tough choice. 
Russia is essentially being isolated and cut off from the rest of the world, making it virtually impossible to do their international business. It's crushing their already weak economy. Now, Vladimir Putin is being cornered at this point, as I said. With his personality, it's likely to get ugly before it gets better. As I say, I have a lot of experience with people like this. And when they get cornered and no way to go, they just get angry and they start flailing and they start getting violent and they make threats and they do all kinds of things. And that's kind of what we're already seeing with Vladimir Putin. If you notice when he's on television talking to whoever it is he's talking to, you can see he's pissed. He's angry. He's probably stressed out because he doesn't really know what to do. And so we watch that. And now we see that he's uh, talking about, um, he keeps bringing up the uh, nuclear force thing. And uh, that's troubling to a lot of people. I mean, our biggest fear in this world is a nuclear war. Now, Russia doesn't want a nuclear war any more than America does. But he's being pushed in the corner. He's trying to make threats that will finally get people to give in. And they're not doing it. So he goes to the nuclear weapons. And um, that's a little scary, actually. Because, you see, Putin seems to be acting different than he normally did. You know, Putin might be a tyrant. He might be a dictator. But he never came off as dumb or crazy. He never seemed desperate. He always seemed to be controlled. While he was difficult to deal with and scary in his own right, now he seems to be a little unhinged. And maybe it's because things aren't working out the way he wants it to. But it's troubling. I mean, it's like when Donald Trump had his finger inches away from the nuclear button. You didn't know what he was going to do. I heard somebody tell a story. And I don't think this is true, but it sounds like Donald Trump. It's contrary to what we would believe with uh, um, Donald Trump and and Vladimir Putin's uh, relationship. And this must have been put out by some some Trumplefuck because it it's it's bad in a couple of ways. What somebody is claiming is that Donald Trump spoke to Vladimir Putin about Ukraine. And allegedly, Donald Trump said, you come for Ukraine, I'm going after Moscow, as in nuclear weapons. I mean, Donald Trump thought he could stop a hurricane with a fucking nuclear weapon. He isn't going to think twice about sending it over to Russia if he thinks it makes him look good. Now, I can't see him talking to Vladimir Putin like that. I, I don't believe that's true. Um, and so I'm sure that's a bullshit story, but at the same time, making some veiled crazy threat against somebody, I can definitely see Donald Trump doing something like that. He's certainly capable of that. Now, the problem is, is that we've got a lot of pressure on Vladimir Putin. If he's not mentally all there now, I've heard stories that he has cancer, Maybe he has some cognitive abilities, maybe Parkinson. Don't know if any of that's true. It's conceivable. He's 70 years old. He's probably lived an opulent life and hasn't paid attention to maybe the things he was eating or the 
amount he was drinking or whatever. Any of that could happen when you're 70 years old, coming from a guy who's close to 62. Wow, that's weird. Anyway, we don't know if uh, Vladimir Putin is off in the head. Well, we know he is from the beginning, but whether it's taken another step for the bad. Now, we have to worry about that. His country is going down in flames, and he's still pushing what he wants. And if he, in fact, is crazy, what will he do? It's one thing to threaten nukes. It's another thing to use nukes. And we hope against hope that that's not going to happen. And even if he wanted to try that, that there would be somebody in the Russian military or Russian government to stop his ass. To be perfectly honest with you as as to what's going on with Russia right now, it reminds me of that old story we've heard, how Caesar was playing the violin or the fiddle. He fiddled while Rome burned. He didn't care. And that seems to... uh, um, be part of what's going on now in Russia with uh, Vladimir Putin and, and and the Russian military. Now, Trump, Trump Lefux, they love to say that Russia wouldn't have been invaded or they wouldn't have invaded Ukraine if Donald Trump were in office, which is just fucking stupid. But that sounds like a Trump Lefux. Well, if Donald Trump was in there, he's a tough guy. He would have straightened out Putin right away, and that wouldn't have happened. And that's probably where that phony-ass story I gave you probably came from, how tough Donald Trump is on Russia. Well, we know he's not tough on Russia. We know he's bent over backwards for this fuck, and we know why. Because of Donald Trump's personality, which is similar to Vladimir Putin's personality, the big difference is Vladimir Putin is smarter, and Vladimir Putin, being formerly of the KGB, understands how to work an asset or manipulate people. And the fact of the matter is Donald Trump is not hard to manipulate. I know this from my personal experience with this kind of personality. Donald Trump, all you have to do is flatter him or make him feel like a big shot, and he'll think you're his friend and will do anything for you, will bend over backwards for you. That's just his personality. So, Vladimir Putin knows this, and he manipulates him. He says, what a great guy, what a powerful guy. And he says, oh, by the way, we want to do something, and I need your help on it. This is what I think happened regarding Ukraine. It's very interesting to see how this is all played out. Now, they might say that Donald Trump would have stopped the invasion of Ukraine, but instead, I personally think that Donald Trump was part of the reason why Russia invaded Ukraine. Now, you got to hear me out on this. Remember way back 2016 when Donald Trump said to Russia, please find Hillary Clinton's emails. And what did Russia say? Russia said, well, you know, we heard there's a server in Ukraine. And then you remember how they tried so hard to find this Hunter Biden laptop in Ukraine. Never found it, of course. And what about that conversation Donald Trump had with Zelensky? You know, one of those perfect, beautiful conversations. Well, what we know of that conversation is that in that conversation, he coerced and blackmailed President Zelensky 
to get dirt on Joe Biden or he would withhold military aid. Well, that's that sounds kind of coincidental, doesn't it? It really does sound coincidental. Why would he be concerned about military aid to Ukraine, a country that didn't mean anything to anybody at the time, well, maybe except Russia, but he was going to hold back their military aid to pressure them to get dirt on Joe Biden that didn't fucking exist. Here's what I think really happened. Now, you can take this for what it's worth. You can believe it. You can not believe it. I don't know for sure. This is just an observation I'm making. I'm basically what I see. I know for a long time, Vladimir Putin's goal was to restore the Soviet Union, take all these satellite countries that were once part of the Soviet Union and pull them back together. Here's the interesting thing. I think the Soviet Union was formed in 1922, which makes 2022 the 100-year anniversary. He sees himself as a hero. And he's thinking maybe we can pull the... uh, Soviet Union back together, and then when I die, they'll put up statues for me. I'll be the greatest hero in the history of Russia. That's all he's thinking about. He doesn't care how many people die or starve because of it. He just wants to be the hero. Now, knowing that, he would have to understand that if they tried something like that, invading Ukraine— that America would push back. They would be mad. They would kick back, and they would pull in other countries, just like what has happened. So he thought maybe the better option would be is to get behind some idiot, somebody he knew he could manipulate, get to do what they wanted him to do. So what does Russia do? They meddle in 2016 to benefit Donald Trump. He gets elected. And then Donald Trump is being manipulated by Vladimir Putin. And we know that Donald Trump loves Vlad Putin. He thinks they're best friends. I guarantee you that Vladimir Putin doesn't see him as a best friend. He sees him as a useful idiot. And that's what he is. And that gets me to the point where people say Donald Trump is a Russian asset. I think there's no question that Donald Trump is is a Russian asset. There is no question about it. The only question is, does he do it willfully and intentionally to go against the country? Or, as I say, is he just a useful idiot? He's being played by Vladimir Putin. My guess would be the latter, because he doesn't care about helping anybody but himself. He figures if he befriends Vladimir Putin, he will get what he wants— the dirt on Joe Biden, the help during the elections. So all he's thinking is, I've got to win, and all I have to do is be nice to Vladimir Putin. If he wants to invade Ukraine, what the fuck? What does it matter to me? Americans won't care. They'll see me as a hero, and that's all that will matter. That sounds stupid. That sounds ridiculous, but that's how Donald Trump thinks. So they get Donald Trump in. Now, Vladimir Putin knows he can do whatever he wants, and he'll get Donald Trump on his side. But it takes a while, and it's a plan. And then come the 2020 election, he's pretty sure that Donald Trump will get reelected. He didn't count on the pandemic, but he thought he might. So the Russians meddle in 2020. But guess what? Russia fucked up again. They fucked up because... Donald Trump got beat by Joe Biden by 7 million votes. It wasn't even fucking close. 
So here's Vlad Putin with this plan to go after Ukraine. He wants to get Ukraine. He wants to get the Soviet Union back in. And he's arrogant enough and stupid enough to think, well, you know what? I'm just going to fucking do it anyway. And that's what he does. That's what he's doing. And then what happens with Donald Trump? Donald Trump comes out and says, oh, my goodness, Vladimir Putin is a genius. This idea of of invading Ukraine, what a wonderful idea. He's so smart. He's a genius. I support Vladimir Putin. You know, he's my best buddy. He even said in one of his talks, he says, I know Vlad Putin as well as I know a lot of you in this audience, which isn't true, but he thinks it's true. So now he's still trying to support Vladimir Putin, even though this clown is invading an entire peaceful country. So when you look at all that, you have to wonder. The idea that Donald Trump would have stopped the invasion is absolutely ridiculous. The suggestion that he might be part of this whole plan to invade Ukraine for Russia seems more feasible. Again, the question is, did he do it intentionally or is he just a useful idiot? I tend to think the latter, because Donald Trump's not too smart. He's not smart enough to make plans for fucking anything. Vladimir Putin simply used him. And even though he's out of office, he's still trying to use him because he knows he has a certain amount of power with a small percentage base that love Donald Trump no matter what. And then the next problem happens. All these little fucking cult members, the Republican politicians, uh, the right-wing media, all the little trump they will believe whatever Donald Trump says. And they come out in favor of Russia and Vladimir Putin. They think they're sticking it to the Democrats, and they think they're hot shit. But all of a sudden, it takes a turn for the worse. People... People are deciding that uh, that's not a good idea. And these Republican politicians, the ones with a little more common sense, say, oh, this isn't good. This isn't good because they see the writing on the wall. The writing on the wall is the Democrats are saying, thank you for the gift, because they're going to hang Vladimir Putin and the Russians on the shoulders of every Republican politician that's running for office. And it's not bad enough that they're going to be tied to Vladimir Putin, but now Vladimir Putin's going into a peaceful country trying to take it over and killing innocent people on both sides. That's not going to be something you want to hang your hat on. And the smarter Republican politicians know that. They know this is going to fuck them up during the 2022 midterms. So they're trying to change the narrative. They're speaking out against these people. Mitt Romney, calm, nice Mitt Romney, the Mormon. He's talking about how these people are morons and how they're stupid. These people are getting stronger speaking out about the Trump base because they know it's going to be detrimental to them in the next midterm election. So this is good for Democrats. Essentially, what this is doing is splitting up the Republican Party. And once you split up the Republican Party, they can't beat the Democrats. They can't. I mean, they can't beat them anyway unless they cheat. But when you split the Republican Party, and some people want Donald Trump and a lot of people don't, you got a Republican Party that's not as powerful as it once was because they're going different directions. 
So this whole thing might be a gift to the Democrats, but in the process, we're in the middle of a war where innocent people on both sides are fucking dying simply because of some fuck's ego. Said it before, say it again. Many a men have gone down the tubes, have gone down in defeat because they relied only on their ego. They thought they were too smart, too important. Everything they said was the gospel, and they were wrong. And Vladimir Putin, in this situation, is very wrong. I think he knows it by now, but he just doesn't have the ability to step back and admit that he was wrong. And because of that, this is going to go on and on. It'll be interesting to see what they do with the peace talks, but I'm not counting on much in this first part. I don't know what it's going to take, what kind of destruction in his own country it's going to take for him to back off, but it's going to keep getting worse. Every day I wake up, there's new sanctions. There's all kinds of sanctions. There's sanctions against Vladimir Putin himself, the oligarchs that are losing tons of money. They've uh, taken 70% of Russia's banks off the SWIFT system, which makes it impossible for them to do any international trading. That's their whole business, selling oil to other countries. And if you can't cut those deals, then you got a lot of oil that can't be sold. And since that's your only source of income, you got a fucking problem. I, the last thing, I just wanted to make a comparison or, or, or show a contrast, if you will. The difference between President Zelensky and former President Donald Trump. Now, President Zelensky knows the Russian military is invading his country, and that's a pretty ominous thing. The Russian military, there aren't too many people that could decide to step up and fight against them. Now, Russia planned to overtake his country, overthrow his government, and they made it in no uncertain terms that they were going to kill President Zelensky. So America doing the right thing said, Zelensky, look, here's the deal. You're in trouble here. You could be killed, and we're better off if you stay alive. So what we'll do is we'll come in there, take you out of there, bring you to safety, because that's the best idea here. And Zelensky says, uh, no, I can't accept that. He grabs a flak jacket, a helmet, and a gun, and he hits the streets, and he's fighting for his country, side by side with the military and the civilians that have guns. He's doing the work. He's putting in the work. He's trying to fight for his country. Now, if you want to contrast that to Donald Trump, let's see what we got here. Donald Trump evaded the draft five times. There was a memorial at a cemetery, a military cemetery, I think it was in Normandy or something like that, in England. He was supposed to go, pay tribute to the fallen soldiers. But unfortunately, Donald Trump said, yeah, you know, I'm kind of busy. I'm, I got other shit. I got stuff to do. I got a thing. And he didn't bother to show because he doesn't care about the fallen uh, people from the military. In fact, when he was at a cemetery before that, he was walking around astonished. Why would people do this? They're suckers. That's how he referred to soldiers that have been killed in battle. So we know how he feels. He didn't feel it was important enough to go to this memorial. Then, of course, you've got all these documents and all this information during his administration that will tell us exactly what's going on. 
He's not proud. He's not brave. He's not strong. He does everything he can to hide all of it. Every fucking bit of it he hides. He'll fight like hell to keep it away from the eyes of the public. That's not what a brave man does. That's not what an innocent man does. And then lastly, this guy refuses to testify under oath under any circumstances, anywhere, anytime, anyhow. This is our former president who refuses to testify under oath. And the reason he refuses to testify under oath, because it can only go badly for him, because the information will essentially indict him for whatever they're talking to him about. But more importantly than that, this guy has an impossible, the impossibility of telling the truth. He can't tell the truth. It's just something innate in him that he can't tell the truth. So if he doesn't tell the truth under oath, now we got another charge, and this time it's perjury. So he's fighting like hell to not testify. We've seen all the things that Zelensky will do and all the things Trump won't do. Zelensky is a leader with integrity who has some love for his country. Donald Trump is a weak-ass piece of shit that only loves himself. That's a 180 contrast, and that's a sad thing. We would hope better for America. And when this is all said and done, assuming President Zelensky survives and Ukraine survives, he's going to be a hero because he's the one man, the one leader we've ever seen in this country that took it on his shoulders and went on the ground and went on the streets and fought for his country. He was there with the foot soldiers. It's amazing that he's doing that. I, I, you know what? If I was Zelensky, I can't tell you I'd do that. I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't have the courage for that. Go against insurmountable odds, risk being killed, or staying in the capital waiting for the Russians to show up so you can be killed? If America called me and said, look, we got coach seats for you the fuck out of town, I probably would have taken it for the sake of myself, for the sake of my family. But uh, Zelensky didn't do that, and that's commendable. you got to have respect for that. And Donald Trump doesn't want to do anything that's hard. He's weak, and he's a very flawed person. And that contrast is very sad. We're talking about Ukraine compared to America, our leaders. We didn't have a leader when Donald Trump was in office. We had a grifter, a thief, a corrupt politician. That's all we had. And now Joe Biden's in office and everybody's pushing on him. He's doing the best he can to get whatever done. But you have to remember, Joe Biden had to dig out of a four-year hole to get to halfway normal so that he could actually get things accomplished. The fact that he's digging us out of the hole that Donald Trump left us in and also getting some things done is very respectful. Now, the polls don't show it, and I have no idea why. But when this is all said and done, uh, and if Biden handles this properly, he will come out Uh, the other side looking much better and polls will be much better. If he gets Donald Trump indicted, he gets these Congress members indicted or expelled from Congress, he's going to look good. We don't have a lot of time till the midterms, but there's enough time to change the perception of Joe Biden, even though that perception might be wrong. It'll be 
impossible for them to look at him badly after getting through all these things, whether it be the, excuse me, the pandemic or the war in Ukraine or just the other issues. Because the economy is not a problem. The economy is beautiful. The GDP is better than ever. The job market is great. We've got more jobs since Joe Biden's been in office than almost anybody in history. Donald Trump had a loss of jobs by the time he got out. No reason that Joe Biden should be looked down upon, but he is. And hopefully with his handling, assuming he does it properly, with this uh, war in Ukraine and some of the other things, that uh, Biden will come out the other side looking much better, and that'll be a huge help in 2022. Remember, this is one thing I've wanted to do all along. I've said it before. I've had people give me suggestions. We need to make this Republican-Russian connection stick. Nobody who's conservative is going to agree to that. Only the base is going to agree to that. And we know the base makes up about 30, 33%. And that's just not enough to win. Donald Trump didn't win in 2020. He's not going to run in 2024, but any Republican's going to be hard-pressed to be elected in 2024. When it's all said and done, the Democrats may have a clean sweep on this thing because the Republicans look that bad. All right, we're going to wrap it up for yet another Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for spending time with me. If you have questions or comments, by all means, send me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Go to anchor.fm, look for Rational Boomer podcast, leave me a voicemail message. I appreciate it. And we, actually, we've got a voicemail message. I was going to play it today. I want to, I just need to bring up two things. I have a voicemail message. I was going to play it today, but I got caught up in all this other stuff. We'll play that tomorrow. A nice young lady named Candace left a comment, and I want to get that on, and I will get that on the next show. The other thing I forgot to mention, that the last show, people are all excited about um, milestones, right? People with podcasts who, oh, we did the 100th podcast, and that's a big deal. I don't think it's a big deal in my situation because it isn't like you can go back in my podcast and listen to something I did eight months ago and be entertained by it because I'm talking about current news and all that is uh, time-sensitive and it really doesn't make much difference from what we're dealing with today. The things that you want to hear that are important to you are in the last two or three uh, podcast. That said, that said, I've been doing the podcast since April, I think 22nd, 23rd, something like that. So we're coming up on a year. And last podcast, yesterday's podcast, was the 200th podcast we've done. And that seems crazy to me. When I first started doing podcasts, I thought, God, you'll do one a week, maybe two a week. That'll be hard, but we'll give it a try. Then I got more and more people listening, more and more people wanting to know stuff. And, of course, the news changes every day, so it was easy enough for me. Set aside a time later at night into the early morning, do a 45, 50-minute podcast talking about what's happening that day. I started doing that, and uh, I like doing it. It's nice. It keeps me on top of things. But the last podcast was our 200th podcast. This is the 201st podcast. Uh, I don't need any accolades for it. Uh, It's not that much on my shoulders to do it. It's easy enough for me to do, and I'm happy to do it, especially if you're listening, and obviously you are because things are growing every day. But 
that's a milestone. We've gotten to 200 podcasts in less than a year, and who knows where it's going to go from here. But we will be here. We'll be hanging out. So stick with us. You have a great day, and we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.